Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Theatergoers, you should know that City National Bank is Broadway's bank. Since 1954, City National has been passionate about the performing arts and is proud to be the official bank of the 2019 Tony Awards, the role of a lifetime. City National spotlights relationships. In fact, to them, financial success is not about who you know, but how well they know you. From business to personal banking, they're your single financial source. Find out how City National is the way up for Broadway at cnb.com. That's cnb.com. City National Bank, member FDIC, is a subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes at the Tony Awards. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to James Corden, the host of the 73rd annual Tony Awards. America at large knows Corden best as the host of The Late Late Show on CBS, but theatergoers got to know him first, both in the UK and here in the US, where he was in the original Broadway cast of The History Boys in 2006, and then he won a Tony Award for his performance at One Man, Two Governors in 2012. Since then, of course, The Late Late Show has been keeping him busy, but he's back on Broadway for one night only this Sunday. It'll mark his second time emceeing the Tonys, after he hosted the awards in 2016, and he took a little time out of his crazy week of pre-ceremony prep to take us behind the curtain for a glimpse at everything that goes into pulling together Broadway's biggest night. Hi, James. Hey. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So I'm talking to you midweek. This episode is going to come out on Friday, but yes. I'm talking to you midweek, uh, the week before the Tony Awards, yeah. and this is, you know, the 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 sprintiest part of the sprint on the way to the ceremony. Uh, yeah. Wh- uh, t- what was your day today? Tell me about where you are in the process. Oh, man. It's, uh, well, we're in, we've been working on, we've been working on the Tony Awards now for three months, four months, working on what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, you know, and that's... And who, t- who's we? Uh, myself and the exact producer and my best friend of the Late Late Show, uh, Ben Winston, yep. and Glenn and Ricky, yep. who they are the uh, producers uh, of the Tony Telecast, producers and direct yeah. the, the Tonys, and have done for many years, yep. and a wonderful lyricist called David Javabam, who oh, yeah. 
used to work on the Late Late Show. Mm-hmm. He, before that, he worked on the Daily Show. He wrote the lyrics to the opening song that I did in 2016. Right. And a wonderful composer called Tom Kitt, who is uh, <laughs> who people yeah, would know him, sure, yes. <laughs> who, who has um, done the score and the the, right. the music for right. this song. And for and listeners who actually don't know who Tom Kitt is, that's he wrote next to Normal yes. and a lot of other things. He's incredible. He's an, also, an excellent orchestrator. He's an incredible um, musician yeah. and composer. And so we've been working for a long time on that. Then there's like. It's a strange thing, the Tony Awards, because you can really fixate on the first 10 minutes of the show. Because, you you know, there is an expectation to do a... And a want to do yeah. a, a big musical open. Opening number. Yeah. You know, the, the, the open we did last time, mm-hmm. I, I sort of... I, I just loved... I, I had just an absolute ball yeah. doing it. And so then you're like, well, that, okay, well, now we've got to try and beat that yep. with something else um, that people might enjoy. So we started with a dance rehearsal. Myself, Rob Ashford, who is yeah. directing and uh, choreographing the number, who is long Broadway talent and, and just London a, and elsewhere. One of the greatest people you could ever wish to collaborate with anything on. I'm Every time I'm sort of in his orbit, I'm. I'm bowled over by him if I'm honest and yeah. so we've been talking for a long time about the open and, and then and then so today we did the dancing we worked on like the choreography the dancing with our sort of if you like our company of perhaps I think 12 dancers okay, yeah. and then we then had um, maybe I think I think maybe like a hundred people arrive um, and in the lobby of Radio City Music Hall were, were working out the end of this song and, and I I would say there was two or three times I could have burst into tears probably because I'm tired I was going to say out of exhaustion or joy no, I or think, all of well, I, but maybe because I'm tired but mostly because I just I'm just sort of I, you know I'm bowled over by the enthusiasm and willingness to participate uh, from the companies of these shows who are already doing eight shows a week I, I just I find it inspiring actually their attitude towards the entire thing and it was yeah and it was a joy so we did that and then costume fitting and then I had to have like a you know tux fitting and things which is always quite depressing for me um <laughs> because there will always be a conversation happening behind your back about quite how much there is to let out. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And and then I came here, and then I'm going to go back after this. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to go back after this? Okay. I'll go back, not to Radio City, I'll go back to a meeting room with some of our writers, and then then tomorrow it starts to become a kind of press... So I think I do like Howard Stern, and then we then we go to the orchestra and, and work it out right. with that with a, a huge orchestra. So I think Tom might be there now, and then we'll figure sure. that out tomorrow. Right. And then we're rehearsing another bit of the show um, with some people I, I don't want to give away, but it's for, it, a, sure. for a bit in the middle of the show, which right. we have to rehearse, which is incredibly ambitious. We're going to try and do a little sort of two and a half minute uh, kind of one shot segment um which may or may not fall away (laughs) depending on (laughs) how this goes so it's it's a lot it's it's a 
it's kind of but it's brilliant it's what it's it's wonderful it is it's uh, I, I'm I'm very excited to to host it again when did you start rehearsals in earnest like here in town starting with the uh, with oh the yesterday performances. yeah I was just gonna say you've just got this week right yeah so, it was, yeah. so we started yesterday right the, yeah. yesterday being Monday yeah, yeah. Um, and how much from an outsider's perspective it feels like emceeing an award show is an entirely different thing from uh, you know your gig on the Late Late Show but yeah. also they have some similarities it seems is that at all true um, well, I guess it's similar in a sense if you're thinking, what will people want to see? Will this be fun? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, our show is, there's another one tomorrow. So <laughs> That sure is true. You, yeah. you know, and it's not live. Right. So on our show, if we were going to do a big, if we we're going to try and do a big musical opening monologue right. or whatever, if, we, if someone, if I slip over or the entire thing falls apart you can go well let's do it again Start over. this yeah. is just absolutely right. live and happening right there and there and that is where the feeling of uh, nausea comes from <laughs> Does, so uh is is this this feels entirely different uh, to you uh, oh, it couldn't feel of, more different yeah, yeah. it couldn't feel more different it's this is a a, a beast of kind of epic proportions where yeah. I, I i feel well I, I couldn't sleep last night through just fear and, and sort of worry, really, uh, because there's so many things that that could go wrong, right. and and that that's just it. But that's also the thing that makes it the most right. thrilling and the most exciting. You is, know, does it is it related at all to that feeling you get before you go on stage for a, you know, like when you would go on stage for One Man Two Governors or something like that? Well. So I'm it's like a f- that times well, a million. Or? Well, I'm a fan of nerves. I yeah. like nerves. I think nerves are good. Mm. I think nerves, and I experience them almost to a sort of crippling degree. <laughs> um, but I think it's because you're only ever nervous when something matters. Mm. You're only nervous when you want to do your best. You're never nervous for something that eh, yeah. it doesn't matter, you know. So, I mean. The nerves I felt, One Man, Two Governors is, is probably maybe the most nervous I've, I've ever felt in the, fir- the first preview at the National Theatre, where even thinking about it now makes my sort of stomach turn, where I, because the play would begin and then I, my character would enter about sort of seven or eight minutes yeah, right. into the first scene. So I would have seven or eight minutes just stood on my own behind a door and the rest of the cast is on stage and were you standing behind the door that will open with yeah Yeah, you're just standing behind the door I would stand behind the door and that's where I sort of really started to encounter some incredibly ridiculous obsessive compulsive disorders of like certain things that I do in a certain way and routine and things and stuff there was I'd take something out of my pocket and put it on a shelf and I would move wow. something to somewhere else all these things because you're just trying to eliminate doubt right. that's all you're trying to do that's all those things are is just eliminate doubt from your body yeah. Um, and yeah so you know I, but I, I yeah I'll be I'll be beyond nervous on Sunday night I will be you know I'll really be in a a, a, a state a, 
Yeah, for a bit. You mentioned this. You last hosted in 2016, yeah. which was uh, memorable for a number of reasons. First of all, it was the year of Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, and that was what everyone was talking about. But what I remember most vividly is I that year I went to the dress rehearsal, which is a thing that is, yeah. is a lot of fun. But that year, I remember all of us standing in line waiting to get to the Radio City. We were all getting these news alerts yeah. about a shooting that turned out to be the Pulse shooting in Orlando. Yeah. Um, what do you remember? What, I remember being so impressed by how you ended up handling it, um, both both in the rehearsal and even more importantly in the in the telecast itself. What do you remember about those moments and sort of when you figured out that it would have to be acknowledged and what went into figuring out how you did that? Well, I remember it incredibly vividly. Actually, yeah. it became absolutely clear that, that that we should that we had to talk about it. Um, and there was, I remember at one point, and I, I don't remember who had mentioned it, but I remember the people were starting to say that they were going to mention it during the in memoriam package of the show. And myself and Ben felt incredibly passionate that that was a mistake. Yeah. Um, incredibly passionate. We were like, this, this is this is completely wrong. We cannot we cannot wait two hours into a show like this to talk about something so monumental, so tragic. The thing that everybody is talking about. Um, so then, and we said, we, 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 we want, we think we should talk about it at the very top of the show. I think the absolute top of the show will, uh, we will acknowledge it. We will talk about it. We will talk about it as elegantly as, as we can. Uh, and then we will carry on. So then Ben had already started jotting down some notes during the dress run of things to say. And then he and I talked and we talked mainly about feelings. What is the feeling in the room? And I remember saying to, to Ben like that this is a community this is a theatre full of people representing a community that has never excluded anybody. They have welcomed everyone. They have nobody is excluded from this gang, if you like. Right. That this is a group of people that say, "Come and you will, we will welcome you here, and we'll put our arms around you, regardless of gender, race, sexuality, anything, anything at all. We are open to you." And so we were like that. That that's what we should say. Yeah. That the, that that this is a place which is always and that that hate won't win and 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 that, that that's all. So then we we wrote it. Right. And and then and then talking about that. If we're talking about that twenty minutes before the show, yeah. where there's nothing you can do. I uh, I went and lay down. And I, honestly, I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I, I lay down and I put a, a sweater over my eyes because yeah, right. it, was, it was too bright in my room. And I thought, in 20 minutes' time, we're going to talk about America's biggest mass shooting. Then we're going to do a parody of Hamilton. And then I'm going to tell like four jokes and then we're going to do this seven minute musical number which at this moment we have never done 100% successfully uh, and I remember thinking 
are th- this will this will 100% define how this night goes this next 15 minutes will determine what the feeling is like in this room and uh and that was that was a really strange sort of feeling really yeah. that that I thought well if this goes wrong I don't know if the show will recover really uh, like it of course it will on one level but it, it, you know right. will it be the celebration that it should be right. that it could be given what a monumental year on Broadway that had been you know right, right. yeah what did you learn overall from that last time hosting the Tonys that you are glad to know now as you're doing it this time that you've just got to enjoy it mm. like you've got to be you've got to be in it and enjoying it at that moment there and then like you've got to enjoy the whole night don't enjoy it uh, retroactively okay you yeah. know yeah. don't uh don't look back on it and go, oh, I wish I'd enjoyed it more. Right. Like, I might never host this show again. I might never be asked to. So let's just try and enjoy it and make the entire night feel like what it is, which I think is a celebration of, per square mile, the most talented people in the world who are just so gifted, it's ridiculous. And we're going to celebrate every single one of them, every single one of them, and jump in and enjoy the fact that this is on television. Enjoy the fact that it's there and we're doing it. And like even like last time, which I think I might do this time again, we we had a, a pianist and a mm-hmm. songbook, and I was just getting people to sing karaoke in the commercial break. Oh, right, I remember that. Yeah, because. Yeah. You're like, I don't ever want the air to leave this room. Right. I don't want the commercial break to just be people going, so anyway. So I said to John, yeah. oh, hang on, it's back. You want it to be like, no, 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 we're going to be in this the whole time. It's going to be a romp. Right. This is going to be fun from start to finish. Yeah. There's never, ever going to be a let up in that, you know? Right, right. And, I, and I, I will, I'll try and do it again. It's a bigger room. It's a less intimate room. So we'll yeah. see, you know? Yeah. I'll be back with more from James Corden right after this. With an unrivaled passion for the performing arts, City National Bank is the way up for Broadway. With a 65-year commitment to the entertainment industry, they have unique insight that other banks do not. Center stage, backstage, offstage. City National works behind the scenes, helping others to elevate their performance. The official bank of the 2019 Tony Awards, City National proudly backs Broadway and all of its supporting casts. Get to know them better at cnb.com. That's cnb.com. City National Bank, member FDIC, is a subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada. And we're back with more from James Corden. Tell me about how... We've talked a little bit about your gig on The Late Late Show, but because that has... It's not live, as you mentioned, but it has a kind of live... For sure. Kind of feel yeah. to oh, it, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, w- in what ways did your work in the theater kind of prep you for uh, the stuff you do on the late? Oh, late in show? every way. Yeah. In every way. In, in mostly in discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I bet because of it's just a, the routine of 
doing a show every day like that's the that's the thing and it's funny you know I, I see from time to time uh, other late night hosts yeah. and, uh, and and we all talk about how tired we are sure but I often think this is this is nothing compared to the tiredness that I felt doing One Man Two Governors like that was genuinely I was sort of in pain when I would wake up in the morning right from just the sheer sort of physicality of it yeah and doing that eight times a week was um was was just an absolute grind you know and yeah. and lots of people sort of ask oh well, how is it different and of course it's different the late late show in 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 basically every way <laughs> sure but um i often say to people that the the highs of hosting that show will never be as high as doing one man two governors it just won't it can't nothing can i don't think i don't know if i'll ever experience a feeling like I would have sometimes doing that show, but by the same token, the lows are never as low as when you <laughs> as when you're in Plymouth right. on a Wednesday afternoon and it's raining and it's right. show three hundred and eighty seven. You know, right? Right. Um, yeah. What What was it about that show in particular that means so much to you? Ah, oh, man. Well, it just. I just don't know if I'll ever play a, a better part than that. I don't. I don't know if I will. I hope to, right. but I do. Cons- I do think that would be a miracle, because the the entire thing of playing that character of Francis yeah. is the play refuses the the play the way that Richard Bean wrote Act One of right. that play it basically refuses to allow the audience not to root for this guy. Right. Like, yep. from the second he walks on, you're falling, flipping backwards over a chair, doing a mm. thing. Then you're swallowing a cigarette. Then you're having, then you're eating a letter. Then you're having a fight with yourself. Then You know what I mean? Then you're going to pull someone up out the order. Then all of those things, right. all of the interactions, all of that stuff, to the point where then you get to this 20, I think 23 minute, dinner scene at the end of act one which some nights and i will say particularly that i remember the nights at the music box more than i think i do at the adelphi or the national in a way maybe because they're just but i think american audiences are more um enthusiastic i think and there were moments doing that scene where i would think if if I could stay in this minute forever, I would stay here. Your first time on Broadway was back in, I looked it up, 2006 yeah. was History Boys. I yeah. can't believe it was that long ago. Um, what, and as we mentioned, you had a Broadway run in uh, One Man, Two Governors. How do you think of Broadway as a place and as a community? And I love to- it. I love it so much. I, d- I do. I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's the best place that you can go and work uh, you know um i think there's a million things wrong with it which i could tell you about whenever you want but i i think what makes it great is the people the it's funny when we were in london doing the history boys yeah we were at the national theater and, yeah. and lots of people kept talking about to us about this broadway community mm. 
and we didn't really know what that meant really because if you're in London it, it really isn't it doesn't it's not you're not in such close proximity right so it's very difficult to have a feeling of community because if you're in a play at the Haymarket and I'm in a play at Drury Lane our paths are never going to cross we're never going to drink in the same place but here on this what is it 8 blocks 12 blocks yeah 12 blocks yeah backing onto each other and the same you know whether you're at Angus yeah, McIndoe sadly is, departed yes has it gone now oh yes no yeah yeah Oh fuck! That's really taking the wind out of my <laughs> Oh no! I'm sorry to hear that. Because that was us. Yeah, it's been a few years now, right? right That's that was, where we would we would you were just right be the street, in that right? alley, or, yeah. that alleyway. I believe I first met you once you, in that alley. We were there yeah. every <laughs> single night. Yeah. That was it. And and then you know, like uh, when I went to see the prom the other day, uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Seaver said. Do you remember those parties we used to have and behind and I was like when he was in Spamalot yeah. on a, like a Friday or Saturday night they would have this drinks thing in the alley behind the Schubert and it's it's just glorious like yeah. I have had some of the greatest nights of my life in Bar Central yeah. just the proximity of doing it the closeness of the people the feeling of we're all in this together yeah. is I think the thing that makes it alive and vibrant and incredible looking ahead how do you think of theater sort of fitting into your career overall oh and i hope so much that that's something that i will still get to do i it's if i'm honest it's the only thing i miss mm. i don't mm. really miss filming television shows or, or films really right. yeah. I don't I don't hanker for it because I feel like I know what that is and right. I know that like you know I don't know what Brad Pitt was shooting today right. but there's a strong chance that his day's acting was like walk, getting out of a car right <laughs> yes do you know what I mean yeah yeah turn over sound speed action open the door look left look right walk off okay right. let's stop down let's do it again right okay Brad maybe look, look right and then okay you know what I mean yeah and look, I'm a huge fan of film. I love it. I love it. But I, there's a really, really good... Um, I don't know if we're allowed to plug other theatrical sure, podcasts. Why, or why not? Let's do it. There is an absolutely brilliant, brilliant podcast that mm. the Royal Court do, oh. which uh, Simon Stevens talks to different playwrights. So oh, Simon yeah. Stevens, who wrote Curious Incident, The Dog in the Nighttime. Yep. And there's a brilliant one where he's talking to Jez Butterworth, who oh, I okay. think is... yeah. Um, who you'll see on Sunday yeah and I they consider him a, a very dear friend of mine and I and I think he is one of the greatest playwrights alive mm. I just do and there's a really interesting point where Jez has written lots of films he's written the right. Bonds he's written stuff like that and Simon has never ventured into that world right. and Jez says in that thing and it, it's a really wonderful thing that's why I attribute it to him I don't want mm. anyone to think that's me but he says I don't really know when film happens he goes, mm-hmm. does it happen when you're writing it? Well, not really, because you're just writing it. Does it happen when you're shooting it, but you're not because you're shooting it out of sequence and you're perhaps never telling the story? Does it happen when you're editing it, but then everybody else is gone and they're not around? Mm-hmm. And maybe it happens when it comes out, but by the time it comes out, everybody's working on something else. So mm-hmm. when does it actually happen? And you can never say that about a play or a musical or any theatrical experience is like you know when it's happening and it's happening right now and that's why you're there you're there to be part of a collective experience so I will be deeply disappointed in myself 
if I don't pursue um, a world, a, a life, or a part of my life to be in the theatre when this ridiculous job I'm doing yeah. now um, ends. You How know? much longer is it? How much longer are you up for being in it? Well, I mean, there is there is the question that I'm I'm asked almost daily I at imagine, the moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, because you're coming to the what is it? One more year on your contract, or something I have a like year that. left, yeah, yeah. and and at some point you'll decide whether you want to do more, right? Yeah, it's a hard. Yeah, I, it, I, yeah, it's <laughs> because but it's so much more than just what do I want to do right. because. You know, we're a long way from home, my mm. wife and I and yeah. our children, and there are people at home that we that we miss deeply and we care about, and they're getting older. Yeah. And then there's a question of where do we want to educate our children and where would the best environment for them to be and and all of those things. So I've always looked upon the show, I've always looked upon The Late Late Show even before I started is that it would just be a it will be a moment and I knew it would be a pivotable pivotable uh, pivotable a pivotal, pivotal yeah a pivotal moment I always knew it would be like good or bad success or failure this is a moment right. but I always knew it would it would just be that I never thought I've never seen myself going oh well I'll just be doing this for 25 years um and and I understand why it would be, but I, I just, you know, I think you've got to be really careful to not get too into m like money. Mm -hmm. I think can be a really uh, dangerous thing if you if you are seeking new creative endeavors. You know, yeah. so I hope. And listen, I'm saying this. I don't even know if that door will be open to me right. when this is done. It's not. For, it's, it's it absolutely isn't for me to decide. To say, well, when I finish this show, I shall, I shall go back to the theatre. Is that what they might not want me? So I have to be open to the notion that when I finish this show, that might be it, and I might just slip away and just be a sort of footnote. Or I'll be a memory for someone to go. I wonder what happened to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to make peace with that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think you're either a, you're either like a mountain climber, or you're a mountain observer. Right. And if you sit too long on a mountain, you might become an observer and you always want to go well is there something else right. I can climb is there something else I can do and I sort of felt like doing the show in itself was kind of a punk move yeah um, and I and I think um, I, I always I always always will be drawn to what's the punk move is it going to do a play at the West Yorkshire Playhouse right. is it doing something off-Broadway? Is it trying to direct something? Is it trying to write something? Who knows? But I do know that I would seek that in the theatre. Right. Great. You've never been in a musical on Broadway. No. If you were to star in one tomorrow, which one would it be? Well, I would hope it would be something new. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's been a, a few different moments sort of in my life where I, I've it's been where I've you know gone down a road of talks to, to, to think about potentially sure. doing a musical um, there was a I, I, 
there was a, a moment where it looked like I might do a funny thing happen on the way to the forum. Oh, yeah. Which I think is an incredible part. I really, really do. I don't know if you could do that show today. Mm. I'm not I'm not 100% convinced, but I do think that is a wonderful part. I really do. Mm. Um, a show which has always meant a great deal to me, and I don't know why, because I don't think it's perfect by any stretch at all. Mm is a musical called Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Oh, yeah. Which uh, I saw when I was at school. Uh, I was 15, and I saw it at the Shaftesbury Theatre with Brent Carver and Cheetah Rivera and Anthony Cravello. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, And I was just, like, beyond moved by like Brent Carver's performance in that show like that She's a Woman song I think is one of the most underrated in musicals and I I I really uh, people ask me now for for, I'm sure uh, kind of obvious reasons what do I listen to in the car and (laughs) and I'll I'll often just be singing that song in a car Um, so I love that but then at the same time you know if someone came to me and said, do you and Jim Parsons want to do the producers on Broadway? I would probably drop everything yeah. to go and do it, you know? Right. So, I don't... You hear that, Jim Parsons? Uh, yeah. uh, well, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Never seriously, just yeah, jokingly, right. like, ah, oh, that would be a fun... Sure would. That would be a fun <laughs> thing to do, you know? Um, so, I, I, I don't know, really. I would also love to do... I would love to do something that's completely sort of out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Nathan Lane said uh, last year at the Tonys in Nathan Lane's speech, I'm mm. going to get it wrong what he said, but he said something along the lines of, I think he thanked his partner mm-hmm. for allowing him to go on a journey to see if the thing he thought was there might be. Mm-hmm. And that that play, Doing Angels in America at the National, right. was kind of the start of that journey. Hmm. And I don't know why, but it kind of floored me when I was hmm. sat on a couch where I thought, I, I thought, I know exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about, hmm. which is, I wonder if the thing I think is in there, I wonder if it's there, because I've, I've scratched the surface at this and I know I know there is a world where I can be this Nathan Lane that you've seen and know very very well but I wonder I wonder if I can explore a a different strand of my abilities and push myself a little Um, and and that that really spoke to me a lot and I I would I would hope so much that I would be brave enough should Opportunities like that come my way yeah. to explore a, a different side of myself and find, be able to be comfortable in something so uncomfortable, right. you know, yeah. for both the audience and me, yeah. you know. Yeah, but I, I like the idea of figuring that out, you know. Well, we can't wait to see what that is. <laughs> when well, whenever you I figure know, it, it out, might right? never be, I might never exist. But you yeah. know, what I'm saying like, you know, yeah. Before you leave us and get back to work, leave us with a tantalizing teaser for Sunday night. It's, uh, well, I mean, look, I hope it's going to be fun. 
I, d- I do. I hope so much. But um, we're we yeah. The 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 opening number that we're doing is um. We we've left no stone unturned to try and make something worthy of the people in that room. That's mainly it, and it's live. And because it's live, it's gonna be alive, yeah. and that is a great thing. <clears throat> is that all right? <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for taking oh, the time. It was so great to chat to with you, James. You. And, thank you so uh, much. We'll we'll see you Sunday. That was James Corden will be hosting the 2019 Tony Awards this Sunday, June 9th, airing live from Radio City Music Hall at 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, we'd so appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, or tell a friend you think might enjoy the show, too. Next week, I'll be back in my usual Tuesday slot with Thomas Schumacher, the president and producer of Disney Theatrical Productions, a Broadway powerhouse that's celebrating its 25th birthday this year. Thanks for listening, and until then, see you at the theater. The official bank of the 2019 Tony Awards, City National Bank, helps Broadway perform at the highest levels. From business to personal banking, they are your single financial source. City National is a strategic financial provider who understands and supports the Broadway community. And they're part of the Royal Bank of Canada, which is another name you can trust. City National Bank is the way up for Broadway. Find out how they can help you on your way up at cnb.com. That's cnb.com. City National Bank, member FDIC, is a subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.